Previously on the Nature of My Game podcast. I was right. I was right. This this isn't this isn't coincidence. She's here. She's following. She's watching. She's watching and she's watching me. How'd you sleep, Ethan? Oh, great, great. I got a I got a full five hours. You're not doing you're not doing an exorcism, are you? Aoife, if I was, I couldn't even tell you. So I don't know why you're asking. <laughs> no, no, they're gonna take your bones, Aoife. They're gonna make them into paste. <laughs> I'm in town uh, working on a, a case that, that you might be able to to help me with. I'm wondering if you have some time today to to talk. You said Lao of what, what agency? Uh, CIA. Oh, uh, CIA. Um, okay, what's the, uh, what's the case? It's weird. It's just weird. Love you. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. The, just, just the the main key. Yeah, the unit key. We uh, we, we 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 keep up by the the unit. You know that's uh, it's not very safe to <laughs> keep the key by the unit. And as soon as you walk in, a woman stands up from behind the desk, and she has graying hair, kind of dressed like a parody of a librarian with a button-up blouse, khaki pants, and wide-rimmed reading glasses hanging around her neck with a cord. And she says, um, welcome to the Hunt Museum. I'm, I'm Mary Gerard, uh, the director of the museum. How can I help you? Cincinnati, Ohio, June 8th, 2016. Rigoberto Young sat in his Lazy Boy with his eyes closed. He had music playing throughout his apartment, and he had a drink in hand, which he'd somehow avoided spilling all over his shirt. He'd woken up with a drink today, had gotten through the day with a few more, and would drink himself to sleep, just like every day. It hadn't always been like this. In his time with the DEA, he'd seen a lot that might lead others to drink. Junkies, overdoses, and the aftermaths of more than one shootout, but he'd been able to stomach all of that. It was his work with the other organization, the one that would never appear on a business card, that had turned Rigoberto into a drunk. It had been this way for a while now, ever since he'd lost two of his partners on the job. He couldn't help but think about them now, with his eyes closed and more than a dozen drinks deep, and that stupid nickname they'd called each other. Peanut Butter and Jelly. He had hated it when they were alive, and he hated it even more now, but he had to admit, it fit. The two of them, his partners, had come up together at the FBI, been at Quantico together, and somehow were both recruited into the program around the same time. And they couldn't have been more opposite. She was somehow optimistic, saw the good in people, and managed to stay happy, despite everything all of them had seen. And he was quiet, angry at the world, at the FBI, at the program, at everything. But together, they had made the perfect team. And now they were dead. From the time Rigoberto had started training to be a federal agent, he knew about all sorts of things that might kill him. But if someone had told him that he'd see his partner's bones ripped from their bodies right in front of him, all because of the machinations of an occultist who belonged in a mental institute, he would have laughed for days. But now, it was an image that stayed almost permanently glued in his mind. And that, that is why he drank. Rigoberto hadn't heard from anyone in the program since, and he was glad for it, mostly. But deep down, he wondered what he'd do if they ever came calling again. Run, probably. That'd be the smart thing to do. Run far away and never look back. But maybe, just maybe, they'd catch him in a more vengeful mood. And if they did, he might go out with a bang and take as many of them with him as possible.
So for each of you personally, not your characters, but you personally, does spending a day, sorry, also take take out any of the, the potential concerns about <laughs> Chester, Ohio, and just take, take <laughs> Chester for what it is at, at, at face value. Does spending a day in Chester sound like hell on earth? <laughs> like a pretty fun day or somewhere in between that? You've got the museum. Yeah. You've got, you've got hiking. There's You've stuff. got the Chester Mounds. You've got some serial killer stuff out there if you really want it. There's a cult <laughs> around. My aunt, when I was growing up, used to do a thing where there were two of us um, that she called the official summer birthday girls. Um, and then there was another cousin that we added on. Um, and my aunt would take the three of us cousins out on these little expeditions around Louisiana and they were like, let's go find a historic thing and, and like go walk through it. We'll read all the plaques. We'll learn something and we'll have a nice meal. I feel like my Aunt Margaret would be all about Chester, Ohio, <laughs> um, which means I do have an appreciation for it. I would go to the museum. Are you kidding me? Like yeah. <laughs> one of the best museums I've ever been to in my life is like, I think it's in Huntington, West Virginia. And it's like a radio museum or something like that. It's incredible. It's like room after room filled with all these incredible old things that make music happen. And awesome. I definitely had like the old man equivalent of Mary Gerard there. And like he's <laughs> just started showing me everything. I didn't even have to ask. And it was magic. He made like these old phonogram machines play. It's fantastic. Is this the same ant? <laughs> No, I have quite a few okay. ants. I was um, going to say, because she's getting a lot of run on this show. but <laughs> So no, this is although, not the Charleston, West Virginia ant. Correct. No, the, the other ant is my Aunt Margaret, also known in the family as Aunt Goonie. Shout out to Aunt Goonie. Um, but Aunt Susan, also known as Sue or Beh. Families have weird names. She's the Charleston. <laughs> gotcha. 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 I'm feeling like Chester would be a uh, like like a, a, a pit stop on a, a some sort of road trip like maybe i mean no offense to ohio i don't know where else i'd be going <laughs> but maybe the whole state is a rest stop but uh yeah i think maybe if we needed to grab lunch somewhere or i'm thinking to to last summer i did uh, my partner and i we did a like a month-long road trip and so like there were plenty of towns where it's like we just need to sleep for the night like let's just find a best western or a hotel or something to to stay in uh you know you get shout there out in to the, best western shout out yeah. no, no free ads. Uh, <laughs> but but yeah like one of those places you know you, you show up in the middle of the night uh, it's pitch dark you, the town mm. looks creepy as hell and then you wake up in the morning and you're on your way out. You're like, oh, okay, it's not that bad. <laughs> no serial um, killers. Maybe a stop for stop for some food. I was I was though thinking uh, what, during the last episode. I had a flashback to uh, in college. I had to, I found myself in Dayton, Ohio, and I was staying over for one night by myself, like at a like roadside motel. Mm -hmm. And it was yeah, maybe one of the worst nights of sleep I've ever had. <laughs> so on par with with Ellie's experience. And, I do uh, never sleep well the first <laughs> night at a hotel. It's weird, it's wrong, and there's weird things happening outside the doors. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, yeah, you're, everything is just right there. So yeah, so if that wasn't a great experience, maybe maybe Chester wouldn't be that much better. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. 
I did. I also had a really terrible night's sleep in a roadside motel on <laughs> on the on on the aforementioned by Dan bus tour. Bus tour. Oh, um, and it was actually driving from, I believe, New Orleans straight through to Jacksonville. And there were lots mm. of rules and regulations about how long we were allowed to drive this large vehicle. And so we stopped in the middle of the Panhandle of Florida. And one of the people on this trip, which was for work, made the comment, made a comment about bed bugs. And he was totally joking. Oh, no. But none no, of us no. could get the idea of bed bugs nope. out of our head mm. the entire night, so none of us slept. It was no! You, you, you do Ugh. not speak of bed bugs. Yeah. <laughs> come no, on, not when you're stopping at a roadside motel. No. That's that's how they come to life. You just you know, three oh. times and they're there. <laughs> As a as a son of the state of Michigan, I gotta get. And I don't love the state of Ohio, but I do want to give shout outs to small towns and um, you know, good people come from small towns. So I don't know. To your original question, Eric, I don't know if like staying in Chester would be like, or a day in Chester would be like a dream come true or magical. <laughs> but there are worse ways. I believe my high end was a pretty fun day. <laughs> Hell on earth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Could go either way in Chester. Fun is what you make it, you know? I, I think fun people will have fun in Chester, Ohio, and boring people will be bored in Chester, Ohio. Aoife, gotta have a great day. <laughs> She's gonna, oh yeah, oh. she wants to see the sights, yeah. go hiking. Aoife shade. Well, that must make me a fun person because I think a day in Chester would be great. Honestly, I would I would go to the museum. I'd go to the mounds. I, if if Rick Steves yeah. made a guidebook, I'd, I'd follow every bit of it. <laughs> I'm obsessed with Rick Steves. I, I don't know about I. I'm truly like I'm a I'm the biggest Rick Steves stand there is. He's great. You I know, has a couple he makes of his things books. approachable. Yeah. yeah, I think he came up on the last season. He oh, probably did. did. I love Rick Steves. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a man for all seasons. And if he had a self-guided walking tour of Chester, I would take it. <laughs> I'd guide myself around. He'd have great well, recommendations. Mary Jo would be out of a job or whatever. <laughs> Mary, Gerard. <laughs> Mary Gerard. <laughs> he would never. He would never. No, he would put her in the book. He would say that if you. Uh, yes. He would say Mary Mary gives the best tour of the Hunt Museum. She's Go set, to her immediately. Set forever. Yeah. yeah. Uh Turn her down though, and ruin her life. Yeah. Like she's gonna like transform into like a lizard monster or something because I spurned her. I was about to shout out to Rick Steves, but I don't know if like as our another another unofficial sponsor. Another unofficial sponsor, yeah, yeah. Now I'm distracted by like thinking of like all the things that Mary Gerard could actually be. <laughs> lizard creature. Oh. Just Spurned too librarian. She's <laughs> just a nice lady. Just a nice lady who loves her local history. <laughs> she really does. She really does. But is probably under some spell to be working there. <laughs> she just wanted to give the tour. And you'll never you'll never get to hear about it. Alright, so so we're gonna kick back in. When we last left our uh our operatives, our our Delta Green squad, Ellie. And Sonny had driven to Cincinnati. They had reached out to some other Delta Green agents in Cincinnati who had previously worked the Douglas Yale case and got a hold of one of them. They've set a meeting for a few hours later at an abandoned rail yard, it seems. And they have since made their way to the storage unit, which is serving as a green box. And they've opened it, and it looks like there was the remnants of an estate in there. There's furniture and old paintings, but also a, a large wooden chest with a with a triangle on it, which I think makes them think of Delta Green. 
Uh, meanwhile, um, Seamus and his sister Aoife are having a lovely day in Chester, Ohio. They said mass in the hotel room. They checked out the the, par- the local parish. They had breakfast at the Chester Diner where Seamus um, lied to his sister and told her that he actually is performing um, an exorcism. He's he's not performing last rites, but has been called in, called back in to perform an exorcism like he has done in the past, which was a revelation for our other players. <laughs> and he allowed her to believe that that is what is the case. And then they made their way over to the Hunt Museum, um, where they were greeted by a lovely woman named Mary Gerard, who they subsequently turned down for a tour and started looking around. Um, so we'll come back to Seamus in a moment, but we're going to start with Ellie and Sonny. So the two of you have come into this storage unit. There's furniture and other things from an estate, including some um, some uh, p- things that look like they're paintings wrapped in um, wrapped in some sort of material, and a large chest with a triangle on it. Can I just ask real quick? Is there a a light in here at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There would be a light in there. Then I would immediately, like, pull back down the door. <laughs> sure, sure, <laughs> Make yes. sure no one is, is seeing inside yep. and, like, mm-hmm. click on Great that call. on. Great call. Makes sense. I mean, that's got to be us, right? Yeah, I mean, I first stepped in here, thought we got the wrong unit, but I think the <laughs> I think the chest over there is a, is, a, is a good place to start. Yeah, I wonder if they keep all this in here as, like, cover, make it look normal. You do think that all of this would have been placed by some Delta Green agent in here. Yeah. Whether as whether as cover or not, they're just using it as their own storage. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Probably not. Um, okay, so but uh, yeah, so what would you like to do? Think think we gotta, gotta check out the chest, chest. chest yeah. first. I mean, the Francis Anderson in me wants to look at the paintings, but <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> Let's go chest. Um, okay, um, who's opening it? Is it is there a lock? Uh, it doesn't seem to be locked. Do you want to do the honors? I'll open it. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so you swing open the top. It's really dusty, very musty. Doesn't seem like it's been opened in quite a while. But you look inside, and it's exactly what you were hoping to find. It's it looks like weapons to you. There's a baseball bat. There is a, a kind of old, com- like large combat knife. Um, there is an old 38 special handgun that looks surprisingly pristinely maintained for having been sitting in this box for a long time. And there are two sawed-off 12-gauge shotguns. Oh, boy. Sawed-off shotguns. Did we bring anything with us into the storage unit that will not make it obvious if we are carting out guns? Oh, I assumed that you drove your car to <laughs> Right the, up to yeah, it? Right okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Thank goodness. And I mean, hey, it's, it's our storage unit. You know, we had the key, so... It, it is Ohio, after all. You just you have a couple of sawed-off shotguns. Nobody nobody gives you a second look. Okay, good to know, Ohio. <laughs> all right. As a Midwesterner, um, that's just my assumption. Everywhere in the Midwest. Uh, yeah. Is there um is there anything? Because I thought there's supposed to be stuff about the case in here, but is the chest just weapons, or is there anything underneath them? There's not necessarily anything about the case in here. This is just, this is a place that Delta Green agents store things okay. when they're in the area. And gotcha. she just said, maybe there'd be something helpful for you. Good, good, good. Okay. What's protocol? Do we take them? Do we take whatever we want? Do we have to leave something for somebody else or? You can bring them back later if you want to. Yeah. My thought was, you know, we, we take. Sure. As long as we survive. Well, <laughs> if we don't survive, I don't, I think Delta Green's got bigger issues than some missing guns. <laughs> Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think I I, I see, no, see no reason not to 
take everything. Um, okay. I, I, I think Sonny feels a bit, we, we could say safer than he did on his last assignment, but he does remember what, uh, uh, how handy having some, some weapons could be. Sure. So sees no reason not to have uh, some, not just one, but multiple weapons with us. Yeah. Does Ellie know how to use a gun? Um, I think so. I think like she has gone hunting. She's from Alabama. What's her, she, uh, what's her firearm shotgun. score? Oh, oh, well, what a good question. I actually don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot there was a thing. Uh, firearm 40. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah, she, use a shotgun. She, she's, she can use a shotgun. I think that's almost as almost as good, if if not exactly as good as the CIA agent's <laughs> firearm skill. So I'm 44. Oh, okay, <laughs> a, a huge difference. That little difference makes all of it. All right. He's he's been an, an analyst as of late. Yes. He has not been training on the on yeah. the whatever they are the ranges. But there yeah, we certainly go. capable of using a, a sawed-off shotgun and uh, a 38 special. Is there ammunition? Yes. Great. Yes. Great, great. Yeah, I mean, no reason to take the chest, but I think we can yeah. certainly <laughs> unload it and maybe take another look around the unit before we load up the car. I just, I, you know, when I bought a Prius, I was mostly thinking about, like, the gas mileage and not so much about how many shotguns I could fit into the hatchback. <laughs> but, you know They're what? They're sawed off, though, so <laughs> It's <you're> roomy. <laughs> All right, yeah. Let's poke. I'll go. I, I want to look at a painting. I just want to look at a painting. All right, <laughs> Probably so going to be an wanna, old lady. <laughs> you want to unwrap one? Of, you want to unwrap one of the paintings? Yeah. Okay. Nice landscape. Sure. Um. So you start unwrapping the first painting, and it's a little strange. It depicts a uh, an ancient stone tower with staggered what? windows, and it's uh, actually I should say, what are you doing? Um. While this is while she's opening up this painting, uh, Sunny. Uh, what else did you say was in the in the unit? There was a bed, old tables, were... chairs, and a disassembled bed, all wrapped in plastic and covered in dust. So weird. That's that's it. Yeah, it's like mostly furniture. There's like the old milk crates that the yeah, like there's some milk crates. You know, some boxes. Check box. Uh, are there two, are there's two paintings? Are there two? Yeah, there's two paintings. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I guess we can just open up both of the paintings. <laughs> Kind of together at the same okay. time-ish. Nothing bad ever happened from looking at a painting. Till now. <laughs> sure. <laughs> All right. So the one that Fran- uh, Francis, the one that Ellie's opening. <laughs> we invited it. It's fine. Uh, I know. Um, yeah. So it's an ancient stone tower with staggered windows. And it's almost haunting in its simplicity. It's just like a grassy field and a like round stone tower. In the corner, you see that it's signed with the initials D-E-I. As you look at it, you find yourself drawn to the crows, the little tiny crows that are that look like they were painted as circling the tower. Oh, dear. Oh, and dear. And I need you to make me a sanity check. <laughs> yeah, please. I do, don't I? <laughs> Nothing bad could possibly happen looking at art. Watch out in that museum, Seamus. <laughs> that is a 39. Jesus Christ. I do not remember what my sanity actually is. Uh, oh, 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 my current sanity is 48. Okay. I did it. I looked uh, at a painting. Yeah. <laughs> so for for just a second, you feel like you can hear something, and then it you kind of shake your head and it goes away. It's weird. I, I got a tower. It's weird. Meanwhile, what, Sunny, what you, you unwrap your painting, 
and your first impression is that it's unfinished. Uh, mm. But it depicts a pale woman clad in crimson, and you start to kind of look at it, and it, something about it, it seems to catch the light in kind of mind-bending ways. You've never seen anything like it before. And I need you to roll me a power times five check. <laughs> what are we doing? Power times five. Okay. Motherfucker. <laughs> it's a 97. Oh, 97. No. We've had a 92, a 98, and a 97. This is outrageous. <laughs> we, we, we picked the wrong, uh, you know, online roll dice. <laughs> we did. It's rigged. Why are we looking at paintings in a Delta Green storage unit? That's like, the... let's be real. Because <laughs> you can't help yourselves because nope. players can't help themselves. No. Nope. So you, you start looking at this painting and you find yourself compa- compelled to stare closely at it and you're drawn to looking at the woman's lips which are painted black. What? And you're just like, you hear Ellie say, I've got a tower over here. You kind of ignore it. And you just keep looking closer and closer at her lips. And I need you to roll me a sanity check as well. Oh, no. Come on. Gotta do better. Statistically speaking. Okay. Got it, too. <laughs> okay. Two under, uh, that doesn't matter, but two <sighs> under 65. Yeah. Wow. You are not even the least bit overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah. So then you you hear Ellie say, um, what do you got? And you kind of snap out of it. Uh, yeah, uh, just a weird painting of a, of a woman. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if it's if it's fully completed or or what it is, but getting a weird, weird vibe just from from looking at it. I don't know. What about you? The relief in Ellie's heart <laughs> when you said that. <laughs> she was terrified that she was losing her grip and knowing that you also got something weird is is very <sighs> okay yeah I'm, I'm getting vibes I don't think we should we should keep poking it occurs to me suddenly that this is probably a storage unit for like the stuff that people shouldn't be poking at quite possibly I mean yeah I, yeah, I, I think maybe we we take what we need out of here and we can, once we talk to the agents, we can ask some questions specifically about what's in here. Yeah, let's cover them back up and uh, skedaddle. Does, does my painting, does it have those same initials on it? Uh, no, it doesn't. It's unsigned. Gotcha. Does, does Sonny know what the initials, like, have I, what, what's your, what's going on with your painting? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, uh, she kind of like rubs her, rubs her eyes. I mean, there's a tower it's it's like on a hill. It's all by itself. It's there were there were fucking weird crows um, that I don't want to look at again. If you catch my drift, um, yeah. No, I hear you. It's signed. It looked like a D E I. I mean, I hope you'll pardon me if I don't necessarily want to check it out again too close. Yeah, no D E I. I mean, I, I had the thought here is the thing. Darren Ignis. I don't know if Darren. Has some sort Dan- of Dannon? Dannon. <laughs> yup. Might be Dannon, might like be related. Uh, <laughs> Dan yeah, Dannon Ignis. No, I don't know. I don't I think mean, we know where that name came from. Just that that's what he he called himself, and he said it was he was a reincarnation. Yeah, I mean that that's what the name that Michael Brown changed uh, changed to. I mean, I, it's not exactly ancient, but not one to believe in coincidences. I mean, yeah. Let's it's, uh. Let's file that file that away. I think again, let's let's get some questions lined up for these these we'll other see. agents. Yep. And yeah, let's get these wrapped up so 
we don't have to look at them again. Fan by me. Rep, 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 rep. All right. Is there anything? Are you gonna what? Are you gonna kill time before two o'clock? Oh, and you wanted to go early. You said. Yeah, we do. Yeah, I mean, if anything, I would say like maybe we try the uh, the Cincinnati police officer again one more time. Yeah. See if he picks up. If not, then yeah, we just head straight to the place, have a mini little stakeout kind of thing. All right. When you um when you call back and ask for him again, the person answering the phone says, "Uh, yeah, sorry, I, I didn't realize he he hasn't been in today, so um, I'm not sure where he is exactly." Oh, okay. Uh, that's okay. Is there is there another number to to reach him at possibly? Uh, yeah, I can give you a cell. That that'd be that'd be fantastic. I really appreciate it. Uh, you call the cell. Also, no answer. <gasps> Voicemail? No voicemail? Uh, actually, yeah, it doesn't even ring. It just, it goes, it goes straight to voicemail. That man is paced. I mean, probably not, but. (laughs) (laughs) Let's hope not. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think I would leave just a similar voicemail to what I left on his work phone. Uh, agent from CIA looking to, uh, talk with him about a a former case. Happened to be in Cincinnati for the day. If he has some time, we would, would love to, to chat with him. I mean, he's probably just sick, right? He's probably just... He's probably just not feeling great and not at work and his cell phone's off because he has a work-life balance. That's <laughs> probably fine. Yeah, like most I mean, police I, officers do, I'm sure. <laughs> I can't I can't think of uh, a way to necessarily find out more. I, I doubt that if I called the police station again, they're going to give out this guy's oh, yeah. address. Absolutely not. No, I think he might just be a dead end. I don't know if phone books exist anymore either. <laughs> Um, uh, so, I think we just bank on yeah on Rigoberto on the special agent we've got yeah so let's head to this abandoned uh, rail station are you in your experience is it better to like stake out from afar is it better to like walk around and check it out uh, I think maybe we can drive around a couple times okay. uh, to see what's what's surrounding the area and then Nick here is also not a CIA agent. I know, agent. right? <laughs> <laughs> I definitely had that thought. <laughs> I think what's what 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 um what are you trying to avoid or what are you trying to do to be careful basically is what I'm asking. Like what do you what are the things that you're thinking you might be watching out for? I think I mean as a, you know as a fellow Delta Green agent, I mean, you know, we we have experienced some some weird things maybe are on edge a little bit, tend to have our heads on a swivel. So I'm not sure how trusting this Rigoberto guy is going to be of us necessarily. Mm-hmm. I don't know how things went on this case with him yeah. in the past. So I don't know if we are digging up some some bad wounds or or if if he is not going to want to talk to us and is going to respond, you know, in a bad way. So just, just want to have, you know an exit plan possibly or i don't know if we get there and we see that he's been there much earlier you know Hmm. setting something up that wouldn't be ideal yeah i don't think we're expecting like any supernatural unnatural things to happen at this place i think it's more yeah having to do with the special agent okay sounds good and i should have checked in on this before but ellie we didn't really, other than the other than the paranoia that kicked in, we didn't really address the fact that Sam was in Chester. No, we didn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> where's your head at with that? Other th- other than the paranoia thing, right? Yeah. Like, Try not to think about it. Um, at least thinking that like if she's there, she's not here. But 
I mean, honestly, I'm, I think Ellie's paranoid because she thinks there's going to be somebody else there. Um, that there's going to be other people at this, assi- this meeting, this assignation, I don't know. Um, and that is danger to her. Mm-hmm. So I think she's, yeah, I will say like, when she mentioned the continental breakfast, as soon as she said that this morning, she was like, oh, God, because she yep, was really yep. hoping she was not going to run into Sam over, like, the cereal buffet. So she's still in avoid mode is, is yeah, what you're saying. Like, there's yeah. no there's no desire to try to like, oh, we're in the same place. Like, let me see. Let me try to figure out what's going on. I think a couple times she's like, especially with all the like the back and forth, like going to different destinations on Google Maps. A couple times she has like tapped over to her contacts and her texts and like tried to see if she can catch little three dots mm-hmm. um, to see if Sam is telling her anything. But she hasn't seen anything come in and she's not texting. So she's just like, nope, mm-mm, nope, dealing with this, dealing with this. I can't I can't deal with that. Sounds good. All right. So you um, you drive over to the abandoned rail yard and start trying to kind of like drive around the perimeter a little bit see if you can get a get a sense of anything that's going on there and you're about an hour or so early and you see that there are two men wearing suits and they look like they're they're not like yelling at each other but they're definitely having like a a, a tense exchange with each other and we're going to cut away from the two no, of you. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Go. Thanks. And back to back to the Hunt Museum. Back to Mary Gerard. <laughs> right. Back to the Hunt Museum. So, Seamus, the last thing you saw was there's there was not a lot of information about Arthur Hunt before his quote-unquote transformation. Is that what the museum calls it? <laughs> no, no, but the the, the town kind of um, his uh, the town actually refers to it as his rebirth. Mm. Yeah, it's an interesting phrase. I feel like I've heard rebirth before today. <laughs> Reincarnation. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, the cult. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, it reminded Delta Green of that too, <laughs> which is part of the connection, I think. <laughs> Great. So do you, you're, are you just going to kind of move on to the next set of displays? Well, no, I want to read these things carefully, but in doing so, do I discover any new information or, or do I just kind of ponder and sit on it before moving on? Yeah, so there's not, all of the items are labeled, but there are no like long descriptive plaques, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So it would just say like, Arthur Hunt sitting on the side of the road drinking with friends or like <laughs> Arthur Hunt celebrating the end of the Great War and that's that's him having climbed up climbed up on a light pole with his pants down or like arrest report for Arthur Hunt from 1921 Can I can I go get Mary Gerard? Yeah, of course. All right, so I go I go back to like wherever it was like the lobby or wherever I first Oh, it's spoke. it's 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 much smaller than that. She's like <laughs> watching the two of you like look around. <laughs> right. <laughs> So um, I call over to her, or you know, maybe like walk it's, over. It's, it's one like, room basically, great. and all the exhibits are like around the. the so the... I walk the seven <laughs> steps to <laughs> see Mary Gerard in the museum. <laughs> so excuse me, um, I you know this you know Hunt fellow seems like a really remarkable man. Oh yes, he 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 absolutely was. How, if I can ask, how did you get involved in in being the you know curator or or I guess working at the museum generally. Well, um, you know, I I'm a historian by trade, 
and I'm also a, a Chester native. And I actually I came back to to work as a as a tour guide at the at the mounds. But you know we've, we've kind of fallen on hard times. The, the state isn't really you know we're not really having tour guides at the mounds anymore. And and they were they were looking for a for a new curator at the Hunt Museum and. You know, I applied and I got it. I, I've always been interested in him, and really, as I've as I've taken on the role and looked into him more closely, he just becomes more and more fascinating to me. Yeah, I mean, I I, I knew hardly anything before I uh, I got to to the museum. I'm so curious. Do you have any insight as to what contributed to his uh, transformation from you know? I, can't, I couldn't help but look at these photos of him with his pants down, climbing the pole or, or whatever. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just curious, like, what 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 changed in him? Do you do you have any insight there? I wish I did. I mean, it, that really that is that is the great mystery, isn't it? Uh, do you know do you know the story of his return to town? I don't. Please tell me. Oh, well, so, you know, as you can see from the photos, he, he was always considered to be a bit of a, a ne'er-do-well. Um, but uh, there's a local legend that says that on April 9th, 1923, he returned to town and was a completely changed man. He had disappeared for a little while and he came back and he was totally changed. And he walked right into town and just went directly to the, the Chester Public Library. It had just been finished and he just walked directly there and he sat down and he began to read. And he st- the first day he was there, he, he read for eight straight hours. He didn't stop. He grabbed a pile of books and he sat down and he read for eight straight straight hours. People started to watch and he left and he came back the next day and did the same thing. He grabbed a pile of books and he, he started to read. He didn't say anything. He wouldn't engage with anyone who asked him any questions or anybody who was looking on. And the people who watched him said that he seemed to get faster and faster. And soon he was reading each page with a, a glance of only a second or two. And every day when the library would close, he would get up put the books back and vanish back into the woods, back back where the Hunt Farm was, you know, back in the direction of where he lived. And then each day when when the library opened, he would arrive back and start over again. He ate and drank nothing during these readings. And he did this every day for three weeks. What was he reading? People said that it was, it was books on nearly every subject. Hmm. And then after the three weeks, uh, after three weeks, he started talking to people again. Just, you know, started interacting with the townsfolk again and he went over to the five and dime and he ordered a list of over 200 items drafting tools a table various metals torches workbenches, some radio sets and then he disappeared again he went back to the farm and it seems like you know nobody nobody's really sure but it seems like he started to build his electronic devices and then he arrived back in town with files to incorporate hunt electrodynamics and to send out his th- first three patents that's that's an amazing story. It, it's it's just it's pretty incredible. I mean, honestly, I believe Arthur Hunt is really just the great success story of the town. He rose from poverty and a life of debauchery to forge an empire. Yeah, <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> it's weird that nobody pushed and figured out why back then. Yeah, and the and the the farm now, ma'am. What's the state of that that farm right now, where where he used to live and go back and do all of his tinkering? 
Oh, well, uh, somebody purchased it, uh, and she gives you the name of the person that owns it. It's not, it's not the, it's not the, the, the <laughs> brown farm. <laughs> no, it's not the Lassiters, no. It's just a, a local farmer who, who still uses it. What the what? Thanks. <laughs> She's like, are, are you, are you, are you sure you don't want the, the tour? You do seem interested. I want the tour. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> yes, yes. Give me the tour. It convinced me. I wasn't sure if, if like, she started into the tour. Beloved side character. Mayor Gerard, you are clear, you, you just, I mean, you know a lot, and I'm, I'm just enthralled by your stories. I would love the tour. So she, she has this, like, big smile on her face, and she says, um, is, is your, um, your wife joining us? My sister. Oh, your sister. Is she gonna join us as well? Um, I believe she is. Isn't that right, Aoife? Oh, yeah, yeah. Coming over. Coming over. Great. Great. Whole (laughs) gang. (laughs) So she walks you over to the first display case, and she starts talking as if this is a fully rehearsed... (laughs) It is. Fully rehearsed (laughs) script uh, that she is, that she's going to dive into. Great. Arthur Hunt is a local legend in Chester. <laughs> are we going to hear the whole museum? Yeah, we are. Incredible. Let's do He's it. the great success story of the town. He rose from poverty and a life of debauchery to forge an electronics empire that has stood the test of time, surviving even after his unexpected death in 1952. But at first, no one in town thought much of him. In fact, he was considered a local ne'er-do-well. He seemed more prone to theft, violence, and lying than any productive endeavor. Yep. Going back a bit. Wait. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, you go ahead. got it. <laughs> I don't know if you know, Arthur Hunt was a not not a very nice guy. And then getting that, getting that. Local ne'er do well. <laughs> local boy makes good. Yeah, yeah, incredible yeah. stuff, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yep. <laughs> but going back a bit, Arthur Hunt was born to an unwed mother, Emily Harris, on October nineteenth, nineteen o six. He was born in the McMurtry Rail Station, which would later become the Chester Train Station. Having been sent from Chicago to live with an elderly aunt in disgrace, Emily Harris arrived in the tiny bump in the road called Magus County just minutes before her water broke. She named the child Arthur Hunt after his absent, never-again-to-appear father. Awkward. Margaret Harris, the aunt, lived in a farm near the Chester estate, four miles from what would become downtown Chester. She welcomed Emily and the baby into her house, but in 1909, Emily ran off, never to be seen again. Margaret raised the unruly youth as best she could, but Arthur was a violent, simple-minded child. He was a known troublemaker, ejected from the local school on more than one occasion for fights and theft. It was rumored he couldn't read and write properly. By the end of the Great War, Arthur Hunt was 12 and had already taken to alcohol. He left school the following year as the influenza epidemic swept the newly forged town. Hunt was unaffected, but his aunt fell ill. She remained bedridden from 1919 until her death in 1921. During this time, Hunt held several short-lived jobs. He was a counterboy at the local Five and Dime, a street sweep, and an ice delivery man. No job lasted more than a few months. In his 15th year, his aunt died, leaving him a sizable estate, the house, and livestock. The newly christened Hunt Farm fell into ruin over the next few years. Since 1920, Hunt had maintained his booze habit illegally, purchasing liquor from bootleggers. He began to associate with hoodlums in the county, including a Shawnee man named Saucy Jack, a drunken rum runner who drove the backwoods in a souped-up Ford. Oh boy. Jack and Hunt became partners of sorts, frequenting the often-ignored Chester Serpent Mounds to drink, play cards, and shoot birds. 
On May 3rd, 1922, police found Hunt at the mounds, drunk, carrying a pickaxe, and shouting drunkenly about Shawnee Gold. Hunt was incarcerated briefly, but he kept visiting the mounds. Soon after the arrest, Saucy Jack and Hunt had a falling out, and the Native American was not seen in the county again. And as she's reading this, she's kind of like directing you to that like pretty small display case with the four photos and like the birth certificate and the arrest warrants and the deed for the farm. Mm-hmm. And then she moves on to uh, the next set of display cases. And this is these photos. There are way more photos in his kind of post 1923 post rebirth uh, time period. And the thing that very clearly stands out to you is you look at all of the photos, perhaps because it's so different than the way he's depicted in the statue, is that in all of the photos, his expression is absolutely identical. He's bored, detached, his eyes are passive, and he's well kept and clean, though his posture is odd. When he's standing, he kind of stoops his head forward um, in a way that seems strange for like a younger man. Hmm. And Mary Gerard, of course, continues as you you move on to this. And I already told you, uh, I already told you the basics of the legend of Arthur Hunt's rebirth, but there are a few other interesting details that I didn't include. Yeah, tell me. (laughs) During the three weeks Hunt spent in the library after his return, locals remained split on Hunt's motive. Most thought it was a complex con. Others thought Hunt had finally seen the error of his ways. Rumors began to spread that Hunt had quietly educated himself during the previous years. When he started speaking with locals again, it was as if his entire personality had changed. His voice was a quiet monotone without any humor. His English was precise and ordered. His interactions were brief and to the point. When he ordered the list of 200 items for the fi- from the Five and Dime, he paid in gold, which was strange for the time, but not totally unheard of. When he disappeared again to the Hunt farm to begin working on his inventions, he hired a local farmhand named Alan Mestemacher to run errands for him in town, and Mestemacher became the local conduit for Hunt gossip. Mestemacher reported that Hunt meticulously replaced everything at the farm, down to the gate to the road, though oddly he sold all of the livestock. The electric lights he had installed in 1924 were among the first along his stretch of road. Soon, every room in the house burned with an incandescent bulb. After the Hunt plant in Chester began operating, Hunt began to travel. His trips took him far and wide, though almost no one in town knew where he was going. Mestamaka reported that Hunt returned from his trips with odd books and items from around the globe, and stickers on his trunks indicating he had been to Istanbul, Casablanca, Cairo, Catania, and elsewhere. By 1938, rumors began to spread that Hunt was planning to leave Chester, which he did two years later. When it was announced that Hunt was leaving for Death Valley, no one was really surprised. Nothing about Hunt could strike the town's folk as odd anymore. Few had anything bad to say about the man, but Hunt was considered an eccentric at best. That is very interesting. Um, And then she says, Now I'll give you a chance to peruse the rest of the photos, along with a number of artifacts that we have, electronic devices and, and other assorted things and some of his records and technical plans. And she again says that like that's absolutely like part of the <laughs> part of the tour. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's so you can look more closely if you want at the photos, the artifacts or the records. I'm looking more closely at the photos. Okay. Um, is there anything in particular you're looking for? I, I think like his eyes and his expression. Sure. Um, sure. To see if I can determine, I don't know, to I don't know for clues to 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 look f- for any like personality changes in, in in photographs. It seems like he became not just 
a... It seems to me like he became an entirely different person. Yeah. Huh. What's better for you, search or intelligence times five? Uh, all right. My search is 20 and intelligence... Gotta be higher. Wait, where would I find that? Intelligence. Oh, uh, intelligence is 12. In times five, if you go to the right. Oh, times five is 60. 60. Yeah, so that's the one. So roll me an int times five, please. 52. All right. So you're studying the photographs. You're kind of looking at his expressions, trying to see if you can pick up anything. And you notice two things of interest. In the last photo, um, I I should say, after the, the, you know, there's all the photos that show him with almost exact same look. There's also like a bunch of Hunt Electrodynamics promotional shots him standing in front of like various constructions in the US including the the facility at Hellbend but the very last photo which is labeled um as being taken 3 days before the Hellbend explosion in August 1952 he has a slightly different face he seems to be smirking compared to the completely like implacable stare that is in all of the other photos like like 90 photos or so where he looks exactly the same in that one, he seems what? to be smirking a little bit. Hmm. And then you look, you scan over the photos one more time. You're just kind of going all the way across. And the, the photos span 1923 to 1952. It's almost 30 years. And he looks exactly the same in every single photo as if he has not aged a single mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't like that. <laughs> And we are going to switch back over <laughs> to our Cincinnati group. Cincinnati crew. Cincinnati, Cincinnati crew. crew. Yes. <laughs> just, just, yeah. <laughs> Get it right. <laughs> um, so you are, you have arrived at this abandoned rail station where you were told by Special Agent Young that you should meet. And you're there about an hour early. But even so, you see two men in both, both wearing suits that look like they're having kind of a, a tense conversation. You, the, I know the the rail station itself is abandoned. I'm I'm assuming when I picture the scene, there's like not other cars around. No, no, no. There's yeah. There's nobody else around. <sighs> there's no like just driving on and looking normal. No, probably. I mean, they they don't seem to have noticed your car. You're like you're trying to stay far enough away that you're like you know maybe I, you're I'm even using. But there's no engine exactly. noise. <laughs> <laughs> But yes. but if, if we if we were to park and be watching then them, be if they took obvious. a look around, yeah 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 yeah. Gotcha. I'm I I press the brakes wherever we are for the second, and I'm just gonna. What the hell is this? I mean, I I, I can't be sure, but uh, I can't imagine there's too many people coming out to this abandoned rail station. My thought would be that we're we're looking at Special Agent Young and and. Officer Moreno maybe having a conversation with each other. Maybe that's why we haven't been able to get in touch with Moreno. Uh-huh. But can't be sure. I'm not sure this is the best time to go uh, interrupting them either. Okay. Um. Yeah, Ellie is, is panicking and is trying to not lose it. Okay. Um. If we shouldn't interrupt them, then what do you suggest? That's a good question. <laughs> I know, right? There's not a good answer. <laughs> I mean, do we just go and interrupt them and find out what happens? Or do we hang back? Maybe. I mean, I guess, yeah, I'd, I'd hate for, for them to get into uh, some sort of argument and, uh, you know, decide to leave, decide not to talk to us. Yeah. Who knows? It might not even be them either, you know? Um. So, yeah, maybe we make one more lap around and when we get back, just kind of 
pull up like we ha we, we didn't see them and <laughs> see if they're who we think they are. Is there, do we see a, a, a parked car that like one of them would have driven here in? Uh, if you look around, it looks like there are two parked cars and they've kind of been pulled off so that they're not easily seen. Damn it. I wanted to like look at their plates and see if they were obviously DEA or police. Um, You can go look. I mean, you can you can try. I mean, do, do you want to do like a, a God damn it? Um, I guess. Oh God. Um, whoo! I'm gonna hmm hmm hmm. Ellie breathes in. Ooh, Ellie breathes out. Okay. It, it it can't hurt. They they're expect one uh, one of them at least is expecting us, right? If we get there, All right. Worst comes worst, we say you know we we got here a little early. We weren't sure how long it was gonna take. That's that's we, fair. You, that is reasonable. If you, you want to, if we want to drive by, check out the plates real quick, and then you know if they see us, they see us. If not, then we we can loop around and come back. Okay, let's do that. She will take her foot off the brake and just a little bitty bit of the gas to make it start going again pretty slow. Sure. You kind of loop around. You try to get close enough that you can see the plates. You can't. You can't get as close as maybe you want to, but it does look like there's some sort of marking on the license plate, like whether it's a. It's not the you usual know, a, configuration. A, yeah, I mean, like it, like it makes sense that it would be like a special federal agent plate or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a, a, a local PD uh, license plate. Yeah, on like, the two cars. I'm I'm close enough to DC to know that there are funky looking license plates that, like, I don't know what they are, but I know they're different. <laughs> yeah, exa- exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. How close are their cars to where they are? Um, reasonably close. Reasonably close. Can we um, hear? What's that? Can we hear them? Oh, uh, probably not, no. Okay. All right. Want to make a grand entrance? Yeah, I mean, I think at this point trying to be inconspicuous <laughs> and, and, and sneak up on them maybe isn't gonna uh, help our case any. So okay. I think, yeah, I mean, do you, do, you, do you feel okay? Do you feel, do you feel like we need any sort of uh, protection from the trunk? <laughs> I feel like if we go in the trunk, that makes hell of a statement. Nobody deploys the junk in the trunk without a <laughs> due cause. Um, no, I don't think we can, but I mean, I don't I, know. my thought is that they are, they're more than likely armed. Uh, yep. It makes me reluctant to get out of the car. That's okay. the thing. I would love to be able to just zoom. I mean, I don't know. Is it worth driving up a little closer and rolling out the, rolling down the window and being like, Hey guys, <laughs> howdy. You here for a meeting? <laughs> or is that insane? <laughs> uh, you, you, f- you feel safer in the car is what you're saying. I mean, it's a Prius. It's not a great getaway vehicle. <laughs> it's not an armored vehicle. No. <laughs> yeah, we, 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 we brought this up earlier, right? Maybe not best if a chase ensues. All right. Get, fuck it. Let's do it. Let's park it. I'm not going to lock it. But That's I think I think we got to go. Let's park it. I think I, think I, I just... No, no, no reason to feel unsafe, but just to, you know, be on the same page as everyone else, be on the same level. Um, I think Sonny might grab the, the, uh, the 38. I, okay. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to start by saying, I don't know how large a 38 special is. I have no idea. <laughs> so like, is that, I can tell you, is that fitting you. in like the, you know, the back of my pants? Like what is that? It would make here? sense that like, if it's small, you would have kept it with you. Yeah. And like the weird big stuff is in the trunk. Well, the hatchback. I also know nothing about firearms, Great. but a thirty-eight special is <laughs> What's special? a light pistol. So, okay. cool. 
It would be small and easily concealable. Love that. Then, then yeah, let's let's park. We don't have to make a shit ton of noise, but uh, uh, I might grab the 38 from the back and then we can walk on up. We got here a bit early, but just wondering if, if either of you are Officer uh, Moreno and Specialist Young. I think that's I think yeah. that's more than reasonable for us. And you're the one who called, so you're the one who should probably talk first. Uh, absolutely. So you park the car. It's very quiet. You grab the 38 out of the trunk. Are you bringing anything with you, Ellie? No. Okay. I'm just going to hang back. Not too far back, but like, I'm going to definitely like sunny, but just a couple steps in front. Sure. So you start making your way, and it doesn't take too long for the two men to realize <laughs> that you're there. They both look late 30s, early 40s. One of them is, is Latino. The other one is white. And as soon as they see you, the the white man reaches down to his hip and pulls out a much larger <laughs> ha- handgun. Stoked. And cool. points it directly at Sonny and says, don't come any closer. Stay exactly where you are. And that is where our story is going to end for <laughs> now. <laughs> Fucking fantastic. This podcast was published by Arrangement with the Delta Green Partnership. The intellectual property known as Delta Green is a trademark and copyright owned by the Delta Green Partnership, who has licensed its use here. The scenario Future Perfect is copyright Dennis Detwiller, and the contents of this podcast are copyright Nature of My Game podcast, accepting those elements that are the components of the Delta Green intellectual property. Our intro music was composed and produced by Jean-Luc Bouchard. You can find more information about the Nature of My Game podcast at NOMG Podcast on Twitter and Instagram or at NOMGPodcast.com. <laughs>